You're listening to the Teens Need Grace podcast, where youth pastor Evan Magelson equips parents with how to apply the gospel to raising teenagers. We take time to answer your questions, interview the experts, and hopefully give you a laugh along the way. Here's Pastor Evan. Hey everyone, welcome to Teens Need Grace. Super excited you guys could join uh, with us today. I had this interview uh, back in 2020, um, and I'm really excited to share with it share it with you guys today. Um, you guys will probably notice um, throughout some of the interview, you'll hear my mic kind of become a little bit scratchy. Uh, I left my really good mic in the office uh, because we were all at home in quarantine. So I apologize for that. Anyway, here's my interview with Pastor Paul Tauchis. Enjoy. All right. Well, hello, everybody. We're so glad to have you on the show uh, with Teens Need Grace. Um, I'm super excited. We have uh, pastor Paul Touches here with us. He is the pastor at Cornerstone Community Church um, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and he's a biblical counselor and is the author of several wonderful books that have um, impacted uh, so many lives, including uh, my own. So, Paul, welcome to the show, man. Hey, it's great to be with you, Evan. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course. So um, just give us a brief uh, um touch point as to who you are. So if people have never heard of you before, you, they kind of know who you are and what you do and um, your family and, and all that sort of stuff. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, um, my wife, Karen, and I uh, will be married 35 years in May. Um, the Lord's blessed us richly with a large family. We have 10 children. Um, five of them are married now, and we are expecting grandchild number seven and eight. Um, wow. in May. Uh, they're not twins <laughs> coming yeah. from two different uh, moms, but they are due in May. And so we're really, really excited about that. Um, That's great. Yeah. I've been in pastoral ministry almost 30 years now and uh, been here in the Cleveland area for coming on six years in May. So uh, the Lord's richly blessed us, been involved in biblical counseling for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, God's been incredibly gracious. So what's the, what's the age span of your, of your 10 children? Well, our oldest will be 34, uh, in May and our youngest is 11. Wow. So you, you have yeah. some serious, um, expertise when it comes to the teenager <laughs> world then. <laughs> well, <laughs> We've uh, we've learned a lot. I'm not sure we, we'd call it expertise, but <laughs> <laughs> sure. Holy cow, um, that's that's great. Um, I might need to call you later with regards to uh, raising my own two boys because I have I have a three year old and almost a one year old boy, and I uh, I can't I can't imagine having eight more. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, after this, I might need your advice on just how to handle just two. So well, let me just say that our fifth child was due on our sixth anniversary. So oh um, when when, <laughs> oh my when, when my wife realized that she was pregnant again for the fifth time, sure, she started to cry, uh -huh. and then when she realized that the baby was due on our sixth anniversary. Uh, she started to laugh because she said, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yes. So <laughs> that's great. I love it. So, um, so I like to ask this question with all of the people that I interview um, because I, because it's just a good opener and I think it's, it's fun to just hear people's stories. Um, so if you're willing was there is there a time you'd love to share that you think was funny or um, a funny story that you'd like to share when you were a teenager um, <laughs> um, that that kind of sticks out to you um, uh, that uh, that you that you would like to share? Uh, an embarrassing time? Sure, <laughs> or uh, funny? Yeah, funny or embarrassing. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I had so many embarrassing times; it's hard to choose, but. Um, yeah, I would have to say one of the most embarrassing and funny times was um, when I was dog sitting for my brother-in-law's parents, um, two Samoyeds. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't grow up with any dogs. We really always wanted a dog, but my parents just decided that six kids was enough. So, <laughs> um, so, 
Um, but I didn't know that these dogs could um, open sliding doors. And so <clears throat> while I was lying in bed one night, so I was in high school and um, I was just about to go to sleep and I heard these doors opening and then my mind just started to run wild with anxiety. Oh, of course. You know, and so I was convinced that I was hearing dresser drawers opening and closing, <laughs> you know, in the master bedroom down the hall. And so I quietly sneaked out of my bedroom, down the hall, put my winter coat on. You know, all I had on was shorts and t-shirt at that point. It was winter. Okay. Put my winter boots on, jumped in my car, and <laughs> oh, drove no. to my sister's house. And I said to my brother-in-law, you know, someone broke into your parents' house. Oh and so <clears throat> we, you know, we drove back to the house. He called the police. The police met us there. Oh, no. And, you know, they, they searched the house. They searched the windows and the doors. And, of course, they didn't find anyone who had broken in. And Right. So it was pretty embarrassing. But the most embarrassing part came the next day when that same policeman came into the McDonald's where I worked. Oh, right. And he started telling all my coworkers what had happened. Oh, no. Now he had been called <laughs> to this house in this, uh, this guy in shorts and um, winter boots, um, you know, was uh, afraid of um, a burglar who wasn't even there. Oh, no. And, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so lo and behold, it was just two dogs who happened to know how to open doors. So did so did your coworkers piece it together that he was talking about the same that was talking about um, you? Um yeah, because he was <laughs> looking at me the whole time he was telling the story. <laughs> yeah. well, um I feel like so how long did you work at McDonald's? I was there three years. Oh nice. So I worked there in college for two years. And um, I feel like there should be a podcast for just people who worked at McDonald's because <laughs> I seriously, because <laughs> I mean, seriously, I feel like that that could last forever. The stories that people of just people coming in and just being obnoxious. <laughs> One of my favorite stories I love to tell was when um, my wife and I weren't dating yet, but we had met in college and she was we were both kind of interested. And for some reason, she came with a bunch of friends um to make to my mcdonald's and you know when you're when you work at mcdonald's you don't you don't really look the coolest <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't matter what you try and do you just it, you know and um so i was working in the lobby and i was taking out trash and you know when when i would pull the trash out i'd kind of grab it all up at, at the top and then i'd spin it um to get a tight um you know spin up at the top so i could tie it well while i was talking to them and spinning it um, I didn't realize that there was a giant hole in, <laughs> in the bottom of it. And so milkshake was seriously, and I was just looking at her. I was just, and you know, talking to her being Joe cool as I was spinning it and her and her, all, all of her friends are just laughing. And I looked down and I had sprayed strawberry shake all over myself, all over the floor. <laughs> and I was like, well, there goes my chances of marrying this girl. So, <laughs> um, but she still married me. And so, hey, I don't know. Um, all right, cool. So let's kind of switch gears here. Uh, I want to take some time and we're going to just look at some core principles um, of how to help parents with teens who are anxious. Now, you've you've written um, you've written a book that's been huge for me um, about anxiety. Can you talk a little bit about that book just real briefly? The 31 day one what it is and why you yeah, wrote it's it a 31 day yeah 31 day devotional um applying biblical truth uh to the struggle with anxiety it really grew out of my own struggle okay um it's interesting how the lord um did that for me personally mm -hmm. um <clears throat> i've i've really been a lifelong warrior um mm -hmm. and it it really came to a um, a high point in my life about eight years ago when I experienced um, uh, a couple panic attacks that actually sent me to the emergency room. Wow. Um, in what I thought was actual heart attacks. And it resulted in a number of doctor's appointments and um, 
and learning a lot of things about myself, but it, mm -hmm. it, it sent me really into the word of God to study um, anxiety in greater depth than I had ever done before. And I learned gotcha. a lot about what God's word has to say about anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I, and I've been blogging for about 10 years now, it'll be 10 years in June. And, and, and so writing for me is selfishly, it's something I do for myself. Mm -hmm. It helps me to process what I'm learning. And then I ended up sharing a lot of it on my blog. <laughs> people tended to respond to it really well. And so yeah. when I saw this, um, this 31 day devotional series starting to come out, um, I, I threw the idea to the editor. I said, hey, do you have anyone writing on the subject of anxiety? Because, you know, I'd love to do that. And he said, sure. well, I, I do have somebody on the topic already, but uh, lo and behold, it ended up falling through. And so he came yeah. back to me and said, um, hey, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, I would. That's great. So in the providence of the Lord, that, that's how it came about. Yeah. Would it be safe to say that your anxiety stemmed from two dogs opening screen doors with that? Uh... <laughs> 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 uh, um, okay, cool. Um, that's great. So let's. So I just have a few questions for you. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to circle back to a lot of what you just said. But first off, how would you, um, with what you've, with what you've studied and and gone through with your whole life, with you, you said you're you're kind of been a lifelong warrior. How would you define um, anxiety? Is anxiety and worry the same? Um, is it different? Is it an emotion? I mean, let's just kind of start there. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely is an emotion, um, but it's it's more than that. Um, sure. It involves uh, a physical reaction, but it's more than that, too. You know, in the in the scriptures, we see that anxiety is entwined with our bodies. We see that Job experienced um, anxiety that involved a bodily response. Right. right. We see in the Psalms that there's a body soul um, interplay. Um, we see that uh, in the New Testament there are different words that are used in relation to. Uh, worry and anxiety, um, but <clears throat> typically, um, you know, worry and anxiety are pretty much the same thing, but um, they're, we refer to them in, in different ways because of the, they come in different levels, I guess is the way I would say it. Gotcha. Um, you know, because when the New Testament speaks of, of um, anxieties or uh, worries, it's, it's talking about cares. So there's a noun that refers to care and there's a verb that means um, to distract or to draw in different directions. So really at the base, the meaning of being anxious means to have a distracting care. So it means to have our minds and our hearts torn uh, between two world, worlds. And so I think the difference is in the level. Um, you know, it could be a mild worry or it could be um, something that we, we really feel so much distraction um, that, that our hearts literally feel like they are being torn. Um, we feel so much um, distraction in our mental energy um, and our spiritual vision, so to speak, is clouded. So they're essentially the same thing, yes, but I think that we, we use the terms differently because um, they're heightened, um, their, le their level of heightened um, expression maybe. Sure. In, in the way that we respond to them or the way that we experience them is, is somewhat different. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, the reason I wanted to ask that question is because, um, is because I feel like, um, anxiety, like the word anxiety and mental health have almost become kind of, um, like pop culture, um, buzzwords, you know what I mean? And so I kind of wanted yes. to just see what you thought, 
um, and, and almost kind of just, um, I don't know, people have like, like the word anxiety gets brought up and it's like this, like people become like more fearful of that word or that kind of, um, yeah. So I kind of wanted to destigmatize it a little, I guess, <laughs> um, and, and see what, see what you thought about it. So why do you think, um, why do you think besides just, I mean, you know, 2020 being 2020 and COVID, why do you think, um, has anxiety, um, become so prevalent, um, in the teen world now, or do you think it always has been just, um, really prevalent, but nowadays it's just more, um, visible. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I do think, first of all, I want to just hitchhike on what you said. I, I think it is important to destigmatize it because when we look at the scriptures, it, it has always been a part of uh, mankind's experience. Um, scripture speaks very honestly and openly. I think just the fact that, that it has become a common disorder and a buzzword in our culture that um, <clears throat> it it now has become stigmatized and and everybody says, well, now I have an anxiety disorder. And, and what we fail to realize is that mankind has always struggled with this to some degree. So I think some of the reasons why it's so prevalent um, among teens today, you know, even more so than than when, you know, let's say when I was a teen, you know, 40 years ago. Um, I mean, it was definitely something I struggled with, but I, I think even more heightened now is, I think the pressures are heightened today. I think the expectations on teens today are just so much higher than they were, you know, when I was a teen. Um, some of those expectations are self-imposed. Some of those are imposed upon teens by their parents. Yeah. Well, culture is calling parents. Um, every generation puts more and more pressure on parents to raise superstar kids. You know, right. your kids are supposed to be, you know, the athletes. Um, and, and, you know, the baseball stars are getting younger and younger, you know, every generation and, um, teens have pressure, you know, imposed upon them by society, by media, you know, every form of media says, you know, you know, in my, in, when I was a teen, there was no such thing as a tween, you know, I mean, that's, that's a whole new you know, word in our vocabulary, you know, I mean, Justin Bieber, a celebrity in, in, when he was a tween, I mean, that was absolutely unheard of. I mean, sure, you had a Shirley Temple kind of person, you know, in pri prior generations, but you didn't have an entire culture of music and media um, that was targeted at, um, at people, you know, kids in their early teens who now are supposed to measure up to these people. And, and what I'm getting at is nobody is allowed to be average anymore. Right. You know, and, and, and I think when you look at scripture, you know what God is calling us to? God isn't calling any of us to be celebrities. God is calling us to simply be faithful. And I think when we realize that, that in faithfulness looks different. Faithfulness means being faithful to Christ and becoming like Christ. But there's no, you know, one very specific way that that looks um, in every age group and in every culture. Right. So just coming to that place of accepting that it's okay to be average. You know? <laughs> exactly. We should not. <laughs> so anti our world right now. Like, I mean, you uh, you see you see everything on any kind of um, commercial or sports thing or academics, and 
you know, we, I mean, schools label themselves as we strive for excellence or, um, you know, like universities or, you know, do your absolute best. And so, to, so, so, to, so to put, a, put that phrase on a t-shirt that says, Hey, just be average, I think would cause some eyebrows to raise. <laughs> um, yeah, because you're right. I mean, uh, it, there's so, I've met so many parents and so many, so many teens, um, that feel like that, you know, th- their teen has to be a D1 athlete or their teen yeah. has to, yeah. has to get not just a 4.0 nowadays. Now it's like, you know, you got to get like all these extracurriculars and maybe even get a 4.3 or something higher so that you can get this financial scholarship to go to the school. And if you don't go to the school, I'm, you know, and it's just this whirlwind, um, yeah. And, um, I've met with so many teams who, who don't understand. They're like, I don't know why I feel so anxious all the time. And I'm like, well, I can tell you (laughs) it's, it's because you're busier and have more stress in your life than I think the, than the common person did. I don't know, several years ago. I mean, you're just, you get up at, you get up at 5am, you have to be at band practice at six and then you have to, I mean, teams are busy. And, and, um, and I think sometimes parents can get fearful that because there's millions of teens striving for excellence, that then if their team doesn't do it either, then they're just not going to get the same opportunities or the same, um, you know, jobs or, or I don't know, you know what I mean? Um, as maybe some of these other kids are. Um, so as a counselor, you mentioned that you've, you've been doing counseling for, um, how many years you said? Thirty or? Um, it's been at least twenty-five years. Five, okay, twenty-five years. Um, so when somebody walks up to you and is seeking counsel um, for anxiety, uh, what kind of biblical truths do you start with and and point them to? Um, what do you, what do you like? What do you what do you kind of do? Does that make sense? What's your process? Yeah. Well, I I love to do what Jesus did. Um, I love to go to Matthew 6, and and what Jesus does is he repeatedly tells us how much the Heavenly Father loves us and cares for us, while at the same time he repeatedly tells us not to be anxious. And so he doesn't just say, stop being anxious, stop being anxious, stop being anxious. He does say that, but he couches that within the framework of your heavenly father cares for you. You know, look at the birds. He, he feeds the birds. You are more valuable than every other creature. You know, your heavenly father has a plan for the span of your life. Your heavenly father provides for you. Um, your heavenly father knows your needs. You know, so don't be anxious. Jesus says that repeatedly. But the context in which he says that is your heavenly father knows your needs. Your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father will provide for you. Your heavenly father cares for you. And so, you know, that's how Jesus counseled people. And so that's what I like to do. I like to just remind people, you know, that um, when I'm anxious, it means that my focus has shifted. And my focus has shifted inward, typically. I've taken my eyes off of the Lord, and I've even, I've, I've either looked inward, or I've looked sideways. <laughs> I've looked sideways at the things that are going on around me, that worry me, circumstances, right. or I've looked at other people, and I'm afraid of maybe um, how they view me and what they think of me. And maybe they don't think I'm as good as I, you know, I want them to think I am. Um, or I look inward and I become overcome with my, my own doubts and insecurities. Instead of looking <clears throat> to the Lord and realizing, you know what, it doesn't ultimately at the end of the day matter what anyone else thinks of me, but what the Lord thinks of me, and to know that the Lord loves me, and that in Christ, if, I, if I'm a Christian, then, then the Lord has already accepted me in Christ, 
and what Christ has done for me. <laughs> and I cannot be more accepted than that. Um, and that's where I get my security from. And so it's truths like that that just bring me comfort and then calm my heart. And so just reminding myself that, that the peace um, that I experience in my life needs to be rooted in the peace that I have with the Lord because of what Christ has done for me. Yeah, that is so good. I've, um, so I too have been a lifelong warrior and just anxious person all around. And my thing is I always am super concerned (laughs) about how other people think of me. So like immediately, right when I walk into a room, my first thought is, Oh man, did I wear the right clothes? Did did, did I comb my hair right? Did, you know, what does this person think of me? Or what, or what are they saying over there? Are they talking about me? And and so I'm really I'm always so focused on myself. I'm so focused on all of that. But what the Lord has been doing in my life and how He's been sanctifying me is He's He's helped me. What you said was huge. Was I'm not rejected. I am accepted as a son of Jesus of of the father. And, um, and, uh, I can be confident in Christ. You know, it is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Um, and, uh, so if, so for the parents, um, well, actually I have a, I have a quick, another question. What, um, how does the heart, how does, what, what role does the heart play in, um, in our lives when it comes to this, because it talk because Jesus talks about how, you know, a, a, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces um, bad fruit. Does that make sense? So um, if, if, if someone's listening to this and they're really wanting to get to the root issue of, of their, um, of their anxiety, where, how does the heart come and play with that? Where should they start looking? What kind of, does that make sense yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, we just talked about this on Sunday morning because I'm preaching through the Gospel of Mark. We got to that passage in Mark 7 where Jesus says everything flows out of the heart. You know, where Jesus says the heart of the issue is always the heart. You know, so um, everything flows from the heart, you know, and so it's important for us to define, you know, what does the Bible mean by the heart? Well, the heart is the control center of man. So, I like to say, well, think of it, think of the heart as central command. Um, so in, in the Bible, the heart refers to the mind and the emotions and the will, you know, kind of all wrapped together. Um, and so Jesus makes it clear to us that everything we think and do is first desired by the heart. Um, and so I think that one of the first things we need to realize is that the heart is never passive. Our heart is always active, even when we don't realize that it's active. And so when we're anxious, there's always something going on in our heart. It's not because some, that we are passive and something has been thrust upon us. Um, now, we might be provoked by something that comes at us from the outside, but still our heart is responding in some way. Um, because our emotions are not neutral or um, amoral. You know, they're, they're part of the way that God has created us. But because of mankind's fall into sin, you know, emotions have become either godly or ungodly, either self-centered or God-centered. Um, and so, you know, physical or medical considerations, you know, notwithstanding, there's always something going on in our hearts in relation to God when we experience anxiety. And so we need to ask ourselves questions like, you know, what exactly do I want? You know, that's been a helpful question for me, you know. So what is so important in my value system that it's worth me getting anxious about this? Right. You know, what am I afraid that I'm going to lose? Am I afraid that I'm going to lose this person's respect? Am I afraid I'm going to lose their love? Am I afraid um, of this? Am I afraid of that? And, And then to let the Holy Spirit use the word of God to diagnose 
the motives of my heart, um, the expectations, you know, that I have, are my expectations even realistic, you know? I mean, sometimes we just have such unrealistic expectations of ourselves, or perhaps other people have placed unrealistic expectations on us, and we've just, you know, accepted them, and, and we've tried to measure up to them, and we've we failed to even realize that, you know what, these are just so completely out of the ballpark, unrealistic. Yeah, know? we need to remember that we're average. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to be average. <laughs> average. Get that tattooed on your forehead so that you can see it every morning to say, it's okay to be average. <laughs> just, yeah, be faithful. <laughs> That's so good. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, too, it kind of goes back to our um, uh, our contentment with Jesus. Um, man, do we, find, yes. do we find contentment in him? Do we find our satisfaction in him? Are we, are we fi- so filled with the love of Jesus and his acceptance that, man, we can rest and find that peace that surpasses all understanding so that when we do... When we do walk into the room, the first thing isn't, man, what do they think of me? Or what am I afraid of losing? Or it's, it's um, man, Jesus, you, I am so, um, my foundation is in you. Yeah. And like when Paul says, I am, so, I've learned to be content in all things. And he's writing that when he's in jail. <laughs> you know? And, um, and uh, yeah, I think that's a, a huge aspect too. You mentioned a little bit about, um, uh, kind of going back, you mentioned uh, a little bit about the physical aspect of sight, and, and even in part of your testimony, kind of having some panic attacks. Um, so I'd like to just pick your brain a little bit on maybe the, you know, some of the physical stuff, right? Like, um, right when when anxiety um, really reveals itself in physically in the body or in the brain, or you know, I know I know sometimes parents ask, well, what about medication? And so I'd love to kind of just I don't know, pick your brain a little bit on, on that sort of aspect. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, um, the, that question comes up, you know, so often because we live in, um, I mean, let's be honest, we live in, a, in an overly medicated society. Um, uh, the pendulum has swung so far that direction that I think sometimes um, we need to be careful that we don't swing the pendulum now completely the other side that we then throw out the possibility that there might be something actually going on biologically sure. um, in the body. And so you know, so is there a place, you know, is there a time to go to a medical doctor? Uh, is there a time for brain scans? And is there a place for medication? Um, and I say, yes, for some people there is. Totally. Um, and what I mean by for some people, I mean that there are times in which there is a biological organic cause you know, behind anxiety, which needs to be addressed by a medical doctor. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I addressed, you know, before I mentioned before that twice I went to the ER for what I thought was a heart attack. Um, and that was then followed up by visits to my personal physician and uh, cardiac specialists. And, and my doctor was very <clears throat> honest. He was, he's not a believer to my knowledge. And he he said, Paul, you know, I, I think you should, um, I think it would be wise at this point for you to um, take an anti-anxiety medication. He said, I don't think that this is the solution, but I think right now, I think that this would help get things under control so that we could address some other things. So right off the bat, he had a very balanced view, which I think is what most biblical counselors have. And that is, we don't see these medications as the solution, but sometimes we see them as 
helpful to gain a certain amount of stability so that mm, yeah the deeper, so that the deeper issues can be addressed sure and so you know i met with a biblical counselor biblical counseling pastor then for about a year who really helped me gain some perspective because there were um, there were so many difficulties going on in our church um, and in our family at the time that that all kind of hit me at the same time. And um, uh, I, I just, I lost my focus, I lost my perspective and, and, and the Lord just really helped me, you know, biblically to work through. And so, you know, for me, the medication actually did not help. It made my situation worse. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hear that in the introduction to that devotional. I share that experience. But I have uh, biblical counseling friends who had similar experience. And for them, the short-term use of a medication did help to stabilize them so that they then could address um, the situation, um, and then in time get off the medication. So um, my concern just is that um, for parents who might be listening, you know, to this uh, podcast is that, is that we never run down the medical road to the neglect of addressing the spiritual needs of the heart. Um, yeah. I don't think that's ever the Lord's intention for us. Um, you know, because one thing is clear, you know, we're, we are always made up of body and soul together. So regardless of what physical elements may contribute to anxiety, every mental or emotional struggle that we experience is also an opportunity to develop our faith. Mm, yeah. And so our souls are always in need, always, always in need of the Spirit's ministry of grace and truth through the Word of God. And so if we run down the medication road without addressing the spiritual needs of our heart, we have short-circuited the Holy Spirit's intended work or usefulness of that trial in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's, that's probably my biggest concern um, uh, in that area. Not, not because there isn't a place for that. There is a place for that uh, in some cases. But I, I would say the same thing for anyone going even, even down some, you know, any kind of medical trial in their life, or any believer, don't just go down that, don't go down the road of all of your medical appointments without, you know, nurturing your soul and yeah. working through all the spiritual needs of your heart. You know, and that's that's me as a shepherd, you know, because that's what God's called me to do is to, you know, to shepherd the souls of my of the people under my care. Good. Would you say that there's also maybe even an other side of the coin where um, sometimes parents will will you know they have teens that are anxious or you know or or just anybody really goes to you know maybe somebody who's a spiritual person they look up to and sometimes maybe they just say. Man, just just pray it, just pray and God will take it away. Or just, you know, or are super um maybe even so like very anti uh medicine or you know, I mean, does that make sense? Do you feel I mean, what would you say for oh, yeah, yeah. For, for maybe parents or or teens or whoever's listening and maybe their natural inclination is to um don't be anxious. The Bible says, "Don't be anxious." So don't be. Anxious. You know what I mean? Because uh, uh, what would you? What, what What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, Evan, that's where I used to be. That used to be where I was as a biblical counselor. I was I was more of an anti medication person, and um, even judgmental. 
of people who took these kinds of medications and um, and the Lord taking me through that uh, very intense experience with panic and anxiety, um, the Lord really changed me and softened my heart and gave me empathy to people that I never had before. Um, and I'm a different kind of counselor than I was 10 years ago. I'm a different kind of pastor than I was 10 years ago. Um, because... Um, and, and I now can counsel people who have been treated really harshly by Pete, by other believers who basically said that. They said, you know what? You know what your problem is? You just don't trust Jesus enough. You know, you just need to pray more. You just yeah. need to trust Jesus more. You just need to pray more. And you know what? What these dear people needed um, was they needed people who loved them enough to listen. And, you know, maybe they did need to trust Jesus more like we all need to. But you know what? Some of them did need some help. Some of them did need perhaps some short-term um, use of some medication to bring some stability into their life so that they could think clearly enough to be able to apply some of the counsel that they were receiving. Some of them I know actually did find out that they had something going on biologically um, oh, in, yeah. their, in their bodies with their thyroids. Um, and, and they realized that they had stuff going on in their body that they had no idea that was contributing to their situation. And so again, just realizing that we are body and soul and our bodies are fallen. We live in fallen bodies in a fallen world and nothing works the way it did before sin entered, <laughs> entered the world and that we would have grace and truth, a balance of grace and truth. And where I land today is different than where I landed 10 years ago. And I think the issue of medication falls in the category of Romans 14 in the area of Christian conscience. I don't think it's a black and white sin issue. I think it's an issue of Christian conscience um, where um, the use or the non-use of some of these medications um, is for some believers some believers feel that it would be wrong for them to use that. They would go against their conscience. And that's okay. But other believers don't have that trouble. And as long as they're not violating clear commands of Scripture and uh, in other areas of their life, you know, knowingly in an unrepentant way, and they're trying, really trying to trust the Lord and grow in the Lord. Yeah, I think that the Lord is wanting us to be gracious and patient with one another. That is so good. I feel like we could spend probably another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, just going down all of that um, with our conscience and with Romans 14. And um, I mean, um, you know, yeah, I, I'm. I'm impressed. We're you. You have taken a very complex <laughs> um, subject, and um, and I think made it very clear and concise. So I, I have so many follow up questions, but I want to be respectful of your time and um, so and for our listeners too. So um, before we wrap up, I, I just have one more question um, for for those parents that are listening, um, the parents who maybe they deal with some anxious um, feelings or, or they have a teenager who is um, so worried, who goes to bed crying at night, who um, panics if they don't get an A or pan or, you know, all those things. What would be some, you know, just a couple of foundational truths that, or some encouragements um, that they can walk away with, with um, knowing better how to, how to live alongside a teenager who is constantly, um, anxious. Sure. Well, I would say, 
I think the most important thing for me personally, and then for me as a parent, is for me is to, um, as far as my own, you know, daily struggle with anxiety, is to cultivate my relationship with the Lord. You know, and every relationship is a two-way street. So I need to do this by feeding on God's word as my daily bread um, for my soul. You know, so too many Christians look at the Bible as the owner's manual for life that is kind of like the owner's manual of your washing machine that, that you put in your file cabinet. And the only time you ever open it is when something goes wrong and you open it to the troubleshooting guide or you don't even open it, you just call the repairman. And that's how too many Christians treat the Bible, where I think that we need to get back to looking at the Bible as Jesus referred to it as our daily bread, where we just feed on it daily as food for our soul. Because the Bible is how God talks to us, and prayer is how we talk to God. And that's the two-way street of a relationship. Um, and then I think parents need to be vulnerable. So as a parent, I need to let my kids know that I get anxious. You know, so if my, if my kids say to me, Dad, you're really quiet tonight, or you, you just kind of appear to be in another world, um, it's okay for me to say, you know, honey, I'm really anxious right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so last week, I, last month, I've been having a lot of tests for migraines. And so last week I had an MRA to look at the arteries in my brain. And, and so um, this morning I was talking to my 15-year-old um, at the breakfast table because she heard my wife and me talking about the fact that the MRA revealed that I had a small uh, stroke at some point in my past. Um, thankfully, it was a very small um, thing that didn't cause any damage. But, you know, I could see this worry just flood her face. And she could tell, you know, in my tone of voice that I was worried, you know, too. And so, you know, we were able to just talk openly about that. So I think we need to be able to be vulnerable with our kids and share our fears with them because then they will feel comfortable to share their fears with us. And to be able to just have a few simple Bible verses um, to share with them about fear. Um, you know, when I'm afraid, I will trust in thee um, from the Psalms. And then to pray with them. Uh, our 13-year-old son, for a while, about a year ago, he was really having trouble. We had watched a movie unwisely. I didn't know. <clears throat> it uh, had some really good reviews about um, World War II. And, and I had no idea that the very end of the movie, it had um, some uh, Holocaust images that were totally unexpected. And for weeks afterward, he was, he went to bed just really troubled. And, um, and so um, he just needed me to sit next to him and, and pray with him. Um, he likes me to pray with him every night before bed anyway, but, but especially he was just fearful. And so just to be able to pray together about those fears um, I think, too, you know, working through something, you know, with a, like if you're, you know, that 31-day devotional high schooler um, could easily digest the content of that devotional 
a parent could work through that with, uh, with their high schooler, because then together they could learn what anxiety is biblically, and they could do the, the little um, application um, suggestions at the end of each day. And so those are just a few suggestions off the top of my head. Yeah, that's huge. Um, one of the things that I've always um, tried to tell parents and, and let them know is that, man, teens don't need a parent that's perfect. They don't need a parent that has it all together. Mm -hmm. They just want authentic parents. Yeah. They want exactly. they want parents that are just real, ones that are honest, that are vulnerable, that you know, that reveal their own mess to, you know, with wisdom, re reveal their own mess to their teens and to display how then their teen can do it later on when they're going through something where they can then show their guts, <laughs> reveal what the, what's going on inside of them as well. Um, well, Paul, thank you so much, man. This has been um, a huge—I mean, a huge blessing. This is this is awesome. It's you've, you've you've just in this time you've ministered to me greatly. So thank you so much um, for taking your time to um, just share some insight and some wisdom on how we can, as believers, deal with anxiety. And um, man, it, it's it's been an honor. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a privilege, Evan. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Teens Need Grace. If you would like the show notes, ways to connect with us, or any of the resources Pastor Evan mentioned, please visit us online at fsmlife.church slash podcast. We're trying to get the word out about this podcast. You can help us out by telling your friends, sharing this episode on social media, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks.